So we continue our series today on Crash the Chatterbox. And I've asked Jane if she wants to come up. She looks overjoyed. Um, as I went to do this series on Crash the Chatterbox, um, before I got it, because I, I saw that another church had done it, I asked Jane to, to read the book and to review it for me, just to give me an idea of if it was going to be good for our church. And not only did Jane um, do that, but she also wrote out a summary of each chapter for me, which really helped me in my sermon preparation. So thanks heaps, Jane. Grab a mic. Okay, so Jane, what did you think about this book overall? Um, I found Crash the Chatterbox to be empowering and encouraging. Um, the messages were clearly based on biblical truths, but presented in light of today's world and experiences, so it made it really we- real and, um, I guess, reachable. Um, the fact that the author spoke about his own experiences reminded me that we all face struggles with negative internal dialogue, not just me. And it was really encouraging to read that the solutions are very much within arm's reach. So you found it relevant to yourself? Yes. Do you think, um, you, would you recommend this book to others? I would recommend this book to anybody. Um, anyone can benefit from reading this book, whether you live with... Um, with depression or anxiety or whether you just live with um, the everyday internal chat, uh, negative chatter of being a human, um, how much happier and more effective we'd all be if we could just silence that negativity in our lives. And the great thing is that it, it is possible. Yeah. Thanks very much, Jane. Thank you. So I said I've based the sermon series on this, but I really encourage people to, to get the book. It's Silencing the chatterbox of our voices. That, that internal monologue that drowns out God's voice. And there's been four parts, and we're up to the third part. Dealing with our insecurity, and to hear God says that I am, that we are loved because God loves us and likes us. And then the sec- last week was getting over fear, to say that God, he will be with us no matter what, that we can take risks. It's okay, we don't need to fear because God is with us always and never lets us go. He travels with us. So this week, say, we might get to the point of going, okay, I know that God loves me and likes me. I know that God will be with me. But you know what? I stuff it up all the time. Every time I try and do it, I do the wrong thing. You know, every time I go to do this, I do the wrong thing or I do something wrong. And we start saying things like this. I will always mess things up. Okay, maybe God does love me. Maybe God's with me, but you know, God's good. I'm broken. I always mess things up. In any book, the guy talks about there's three P's in this type of thinking. Personal. There's something wrong with me. I stuff it up. And then we go to permanent. I always... You know, we forget all the times we ever got anything right, and we only remember the times where we stuffed it up. I always get it wrong. And then everything. It's pervasive. It's not just one thing. It's my whole life. I stuff everything up. I'm hopeless. You know, why even bother trying to do something different? And not only that, but it's permanent. Nothing will change. This is the way I am. I've tried before, and I failed. This is called condemnation, when we say that we are worthless. Now, the thing about this condemnation is it's based on something which is true. 
we do fail. We mess things up. And if you're like me, we do it quite regularly. But the point is, this is only part of the truth. And God's truth is much bigger and better. The first part is recognize, it is a good thing to recognize, hey, look, I stuffed up. But there's problems with this. We can go one of two ways. We can go, I stuffed up. I always stuff up. There's something wrong with me. Or we can try and blame someone else. And they're often the two ways of the world. Often of going, when I stuff up, I'm hopeless, therefore don't ever try. Or blame someone else. Don't take responsibility for my own actions. But that's not the way that God requires of us, that God calls us to. But the first part is recognizing, yes, I do stuff up. I do fail. But in that situation is to recognize that God says he has. He has forgiven and cleansed us. He has erased our condemnation. He has counted us as righteous. He has made us complete in him. He has made us heirs of his eternal life. And there's one more. He has made it possible for us to be different through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we get trapped in this idea of condemnation, I'm hopeless, the first part to recognize, I failed. But rather than saying that determines my life, is to then say, God, and to repent. So God, I failed, forgive me. And then recognize that God offers us a new future, that our past is not our future. Our failure is not the end, but a chance for a new beginning. So rather than knowing God's condemnation, we should realize God's grace. That yes, we did fail, we did make a mistake, but it's okay. Because of the cross, because of what Christ has done for us, we can be free from that. And not only that, but through the amazing power of his love, God can heal us from the consequences of sins. And God can make possible a new beginning for us, where we can try again and actually be transformed into different people. But it's a journey that requires us to do this each and every day. That rather than under God's, under the condemnation of ourselves, we realize we are under God's grace. Our failure is not the end, but a chance for a new beginning. I just wanted to do that by highlighting a particular story in Scripture. So we know the story of Peter, one of the uh, apostles or disciples of Jesus. So and probably he was the leader of the disciples. Now Peter was the guy who was impetuous. He was a strong leader. He got carried away, and he got it wrong just as much as he got it right. One day, as they're um, traveling along the road, and Jesus uh, was talking stuff, and Peter said something, and he got it. He understood Jesus. And Jesus said to him at that point, Peter, you are a rock, and on this rock I will build my church. He was naming him as a leader in the church. It's actually a bit of a play on words because in Greek, Peter's name is Petros and the word for rock is Petra. So it said, Petros, on you, you are a Petra and on this Petra I will build my church. 
So he's naming Peter as a leader in the church. Not long after that, Jesus said to Peter, when he got it wrong, Satan, get behind me. You are leading me the wrong path. So Peter was a person who got it wrong just as much as he got it right. And he got it spectacularly wrong on the night that Jesus was betrayed. Peter was here saying, Jesus, I will never leave you. You know, you're talking about being betrayed, but you know, I will lay down my life for you. I am the one you can count on. I'll be with you to the end. And Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, tonight before the cock crows three times, you will betray me. He said, no, not me, everyone else, not me. And we know the story. That night, Jesus is arrested. The disciples flee. And he's taken to Pilate's court. And Peter follows at a distance to see what's going to happen. And he gets to the place where Jesus has been held. And first, a serving girl comes up to him and says, aren't you one of those guys that's with Jesus? Didn't I see you? He says, nope, not me. Not me. Move somewhere else. Then another person came close and said, aren't you one of those followers of Jesus of Nazareth? And he says, nope, not me. I don't know what you're talking about. And finally when he was warming his hands by a fire, and Jesus was just in the courtyard in the distance, someone else said, I'm sure you're one of the followers of Jesus. And he said, you don't know what you're talking about. It's not me. And then it has this really profound sentence. The cock crowed. Jesus turned from a distance and looked at Peter. And in that moment, Peter came face to face with his own brokenness because as Jesus looked at him, he knew that Jesus knew that he had betrayed him as had been prophesied by Jesus. And it said, he went outside and he wept bitterly. Imagine the condemnation that must have been running through Peter's mind at that time. Just a couple of hours ago, I had promised, promised Jesus I would never leave him. Promised him I would lay down my life. He told me I wouldn't, but I doubly promised. And then what did I do? I betrayed him three times. And not only that, but Jesus looked at me. He knew, he knew my failure. Devastating. Condemnation. He's hopeless, a loser. How could God ever use him? He's a person who gets it wrong all the time. On the road, Jesus said many things to him. Condemned, hopeless, a failure. We know then the story. Three days' time, the disciples' sorrow turns to joy. Jesus is risen from the dead, and he meets with his disciples, including Peter, at different times. But I guess... As we read in John's Gospel, there's still a bit of this thing between Jesus and Peter. Yes, Jesus is alive, but Peter knows, I'm just going to hang back from everyone else because, well, I betrayed him three times. I'm really happy that Jesus is alive, but, you know, he probably just doesn't want me up there with everyone else because I denied him. 
And then there's this beautiful story in one of the last um, resurrection appearances of Jesus. They're out fishing in a boat, Peter and the disciples. And then John says, hey, isn't that Jesus? They're on the beach. And it is, and they all rush over, and they go to be with Jesus again. And then Jesus takes Peter aside, and he says to me, says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, I do love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Look after the young of my church. And then Jesus says to him again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. And then it says a third time, Jesus turns to Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? It says Peter, in a voice of hurt, says, Lord, you know I love you. And he says to him, feed my sheep. Three times Peter denied Jesus. Three times Jesus gives him a chance to affirm his love. And three times Jesus affirms him. There is no condemnation in Jesus for Peter. Only the opportunity to start again. Jesus said, Peter, you are my rock. And on this rock, I'll build your church. Peter failed spectacularly. But for Jesus, there was just an opportunity then to show his grace. There's a great passage in Romans where it says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. It doesn't matter how much we have failed, how badly we have failed, there is no condemnation. On the cross, we are forgiven. And when we come to Christ, it is once again a chance for Christ to display his love and forgiveness for us and say, you are forgiven. I'm with you. Let's go again. And I know for my life, that is the story of my life. Trying, failing, and hearing Christ say to me, okay, turn to me. You are forgiven. Let's go again. It's a new day. Let's start again. There is no condemnation in us. So when we hear that voice saying, you are hopeless, you failed, that's it. We have to realize that is a lie. Yes, we fail. And we should acknowledge that and repent. But God's grace covers our failure. There is no condemnation. God does not ever condemn us. God leads us to recognize our brokenness, to repent of it, to turn to him that we might know his grace and love and mercy for a new day. So as we go from here, start taking those three things. God loves us and likes us. We do not need to fear where God calls us because he will be with us all the time. And it doesn't matter how many times we've failed in the past, how many times we got it wrong, there is no condemnation in Christ, only a chance for a new beginning because of his love for us.
Let's pray. Gracious God, your love for us is overwhelming and amazing. Help us in our own hearts to know the fact that with you we are loved and liked. With you we do not need to fear and with you there is no condemnation. Give us strength to know you in our lives. Courage to hear your word and hearts open to receive your grace and mercy that each day might be a new day in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.